there are things in each of those that people would do that will help them to fail. Sending too many messages, prospecting messages that are really salesy and a void of any relationship with the person that you're messaging. People sometimes will go, oh, it really works. I've just got six prospects out of it. And it's like, okay. And how many messages did you send? How many relationships did you actually violate by sending that? Um, and actually, it's just throwing mud at a wall and hoping something sticks. You're not doing yourself many favours at all and those prospects will be coming in very cold. It's time to reinvent. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have a phenomenal guest. We have Naomi Johnson. Naomi, thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited for this conversation because I know our listeners are going to benefit a lot from this. So stick with us. But Naomi, please tell us who you are and what's your mission. My name is Naomi Johnson. I live on the south coast of England and I write people's LinkedIn profiles to help position them as the go-to expert in their industry. So prospects come to them pre-sold and ready to buy. Within that, my mission is a a lot of people don't actually understand that there's a number of business mechanics and structures that need to be in place first in order for the LinkedIn profile to work. So I do a lot of coaching with expert entrepreneurs to actually get those things in place so that they can thrive in business. Just what we need to hear today. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can lead us into the idea of prospecting on LinkedIn, because a lot of people sort of have an idea of what they think LinkedIn is and sort of... Mm what they think it's not. So maybe we can start there. Obviously, when you say prospecting, we are ultimately there to win new business and find new clients, aren't we? LinkedIn is the best platform for that because it's a B2B platform, business to business, whereas Facebook is more business to consumer and Instagram is also the same. There's an expectation when we come to LinkedIn that we can have a business conversation. And if you start going down the side of personal conversations, like here's a picture of my cat and my dinner last night, you're going to be kind of violating the social expectation of LinkedIn whereas on the other platforms that's the expectation and if you started talking about business too much or you prospect somebody by messaging their inbox you might be stepping over their boundary of oh hang on a second this is a personal space for me this is something I do in my private time I don't want business impacting me when I'm spending time on Facebook talking to my family or watching silly videos on Instagram so LinkedIn creates a really safe space to know that you are there to have a business conversation so that's tick one we're in the right place and then the other thing is, is I hear people say a lot is, oh, I'm just there to get followers and engagement with my posts, my content. Sometimes people think that's the outcome of being on LinkedIn. And I say, what's the point? Like, why are we doing this? What's actually going to happen as a result of getting those followers and that engagement? Because we are there to generate business. I spoke to someone the other day with 68,000 followers, which is an amazing triumph to have achieved. But they post content and get diddly squat commenting and engaging on it so it's like well those numbers those statistics don't actually add up and as expert entrepreneurs and or any type of entrepreneur the ultimate goal that we have is to win new business it's about taking the actions that will win new business and that definitely is not to be over salesy and put those sales messages out there because that violates the whole it's a social platform it's about getting that balance and that mix right in how you go about it you're right about linkedin that it is a sort of place where you should feel safe to talk about business because the other platforms it's almost like you can feel a certain way about talking about your business you're not quite sure how to soften it a little bit or how not to be too 
directive of business and you have maybe your family and your friends are following you so it's that kind of like okay I don't want to be constantly sending these kind of messages to my family and friends about my business <laughs> yeah yeah exactly why do most people fail to make LinkedIn work for them because I think like you said it is a place to look for business and it can end up being a replica of the other things we do on the other platforms where we're just kind of going for followers and sort of looking for engagement and that kind of thing and that's not the goal yeah, and just to say on that LinkedIn is fantastic because you have a profile and you can really pitch on it whereas the other platforms are your latest posts and there's not a lot of space to actually really say something so LinkedIn is fantastic for that the way to answer that question is probably to say that there are three strategies on LinkedIn to follow you've got your proactive strategy your active strategy and your passive strategy when you're sending messages to ideal prospects that you've identified and you're proactively going after the business active is when you're posting content and when you're engaging with other people's content so you're active on the platform and then your passive strategy is your LinkedIn profile it's what's sitting there passively you update it periodically but it is passive that it's just there working for you there are things in each of those that people would do that will help them to fail sending too many messages prospecting messages that are really salesy and avoid of any relationship with the person that you're messaging people sometimes will go oh it really worked I've just got six prospects out of it and it's like okay and how many messages did you send how many relationships did you actually violate by sending that I mean actually it's just throwing mud at a wall and hoping something sticks you're not doing yourself many favors at all and those prospects will be coming in very cold to you and you have to work very hard to build that relationship and if a prospect is in the position where they do respond to that probably because they're in the market to buy those services and if they're in the market to buy those services they're pretty educated on the keywords the problems the solutions and so they can find your competitors and when they can find your competitors they will be talking to you and wanting to negotiate on price. It won't be based on your expertise. It won't be based on your relationship with them. They will probably lead the conversation, ask all the questions, and then need to think about it and measure you up against three or four other people. So that's pretty drawn out. And as experts and you know, solving real problems, and even selling products, actually, what we don't want to do is go after a marketplace that already knows that they have a problem and are looking for a solution, because they literally look at us for price and they compare. What we actually want to do is to cultivate our own market and create brand new prospects for ourselves. So inside of the commenting on LinkedIn and posting your own content, this is an incredible thing because if you think a person that has a problem but doesn't know they have a solution is not looking for you, you could actually be in the same room as five people who desperately need your solution. You know it, but they don't know it. You get up in that networking event and you give your 60 second pitch and you say it and they still don't know it. It still goes completely over their head. So you can be posting content on LinkedIn, but your prospect, it doesn't resonate with them. So they don't actually wake up to that. Oh, hang on a second. This is a problem I have. You know, all of my staff keep leaving, for example. It's just the way it is. It's just the way the industry is. No, actually, it's not. It's the way you are as a manager. <laughs> and when people realize that actually it's how they're being as a manager that makes people leave, they have woken up to the fact that, hang on a second, this turnover of staff is not normal and there's something I could do about it. So LinkedIn gives us a massive benefit in that we can wake up an entire marketplace that 
weren't looking for us. You know, back 30 years ago, the person needs to identify they have a problem and pick up the yellow pages. Now they can just be going about their day and they go, oh my God, I had no idea about that. Gosh, I think I need a solution to this. I didn't know that was a problem. I thought it was just the way the world was. It's really, really important that we do that. We awaken people to their problem through the content. But the problem people often make with that content is that they're not actually talking about the problem that they solve. They could be on a variety of subjects all of the time, this subject, that subject, this subject. So they're never actually getting known for one thing. They're never getting known for being a thought leader on their topic. And actually this morning I was reviewing somebody. There's been a question recently about whether what we share on LinkedIn has become more like Facebook in terms of people sharing more personal things. There's somebody that I have in my network who shares personal things and she does it really well. She's got the balance of Yes, this is LinkedIn. This is the personal, this is the boundary. What I'm posting is still relevant to my business. You're still going to know my business. But then it struck me this morning. I was like, yeah, but what is your business? Like, what is your expertise? What is your thought leadership in this? Because actually, I don't get from anything I'm seeing about you that video is your thing. And then what about video? And then why do I need video? And why would I choose you over another production company? I'm not seeing the essence of the problem that you solve and the solution that you have. And then with both of those strategies, strategies if you get them right in how you're doing them like you send really personable messages to your prospects and you do post good content about your topic and get known as a thought leader each of those activities brings a person back to your LinkedIn profile after all that effort your LinkedIn profile just leaves someone like huh okay it's gone you know there's nothing on the LinkedIn profile that really draws a person in all of that efforts come to nothing so the LinkedIn profile immediately when you land on it needs to set context ah this is the conversation we're about to have. This is a conversation about video. This is a conversation about leading your staff. This is a, a conversation about, you know, podcasting, whatever it is. This is what the person stands for. Okay, this is interesting. They're going to scroll from top to bottom and they're going to get an idea for it. So is it well formatted? Is it well presented? Are keywords jumping out at me that makes me want to read it? Does the headline tell me what the problem is that you're solving so that I'm like, yeah, actually, this is interesting. What we need to understand is the 100% of our audience is literally people on LinkedIn and only probably 10% of them are ideal prospects, but we're connected to the other 90%. The other 90% aren't to be washed away. They're still really relevant. So if we do a sales pitch on that profile that speaks just to the 10%, we alienate 90% of people who actually could be referrers to our business, who if they understood the problem that we solve, they would be speaking to our ideal prospect and go, well, haven't you ever considered that Actually, I'll just keep using this example. Oh, have you ever considered that you're actually just a really bad leader and that's why your staff leave? No one would say it quite like that. But And they go, well, actually, I haven't thought of that. And awareness is everything. So that person, from your profile, they've learned staff leave because you're a bad leader. They then see somebody and they nicely pose the question that it's actually leadership that's their problem. That person's now in awareness. Their senses are wide open. They're your second degree connection. You're likely going to be coming up as a suggestion on the side of their LinkedIn profile, someone to connect with. And they'll see something about leadership that was said the same way. And they're like, oh, what's that? And they'll come through. So that 90% of people is actually really, really critical that we're speaking to them as well and that we're creating a relationship with them as well. So the last thing we want to do is go all out pitch. What we want to do is we want to set the context of the problem we solve, outline the situation that people are in and the impact of that situation, why I'm the expert at it, how I go about doing it, and 
then if you want to get in touch with me, this is how you can. And more so than the way I just said that, if you want to get in touch with me, is offering people a compelling call to action. Like take the scorecard and diagnose how bad your situation is or come and have a review with me and I will personally tell you how to do something. So there's something really tangible where I will come and actually have a conversation with you because it's that conversation which is the gateway to paid business. And that's what we need to be doing is getting people on the phone to speak to us who are really aware that they have a problem. They've diagnosed the situation. They've tried to do everything themselves and thought, actually, this requires investment. We need to put money into the solution. Who would I put money into? Pretty much the person who's told me all of those things. This person is credible and useful and they're welcoming me to have a conversation. Let me phone them up. Wow. Thank you so much for just showing how much we need to have sort of that focus within the LinkedIn thing. Because a lot of times we just think, oh, I've got to be churning out content, especially for new entrepreneurs. I've got to stay visible. But if it's not helping you to get business, then, you know, what's the point of being visible? Yeah, exactly. And I would say, let's not be so visible. Let's leverage trust in our network to get those sales calls. And if you're leveraging trust in your network, you need to be really clear on what you're selling, the problem that you're solving, the packages that you have to offer. And actually, all of those things are the groundwork that needs to go in place for a business to work. And also for your LinkedIn profile to work as well. You've got to have all these business structures in place. And then you can go about leveraging your network to open doors to you and give you recommendations. Because passively, just posting on LinkedIn, I mean, you get so much engagement if you say the right things and you spill personal information that just pulls on the heartstrings, you know. But it doesn't mean to say it's converting into business. And LinkedIn, it was never really, if you go back to like the reason why Reid Hoffman started in the first place, it wasn't about posting content the same way that Facebook was about posting content. It was actually about networking. It was actually about finding out who's in your network that could open a door for you? Who did they know that could open a door for you? Can I actually research this and say, hey, here's the person I want to find. Who do I know that could actually introduce me? That's what it was all about more than it was about showy statistics and followers and engagements. And ultimately, if you go back to the foundational parts of business and people who really succeed, it is about sales. It is about the number of sales calls you have. And it is about who's actually recommending people to you so that you have more sales calls. It's about the value of your network. And there are massive benefits in posting content and being visible. But I would suggest that in the early days, when you're still figuring out what you're doing, it's more important that your closest network really grasp what it is you do as a business and grasp the problem that you solve. And you're really clear about how you solve it so that you can sell it. And if your closest contacts in conversation with you don't get what you do, and they don't get the value of what you do, and they aren't making recommendations, then how do we think that posting content daily to complete strangers who are passively scrolling through the platform is ever going to convert into business? Just a quick ask. If you're finding this information helpful, please share it with someone that you know would love this conversation and would find this information beneficial. Thank you again for listening in. And let's jump back into our conversation. This is such a great conversation. I think this is really going to open up people's minds because sometimes we think it's all about do more lives and do more this and do more that. And it's really a wasted effort if all those things are not in place. 
Mm. It's interesting because I wonder about this. Maybe you can talk to me about this, Naomi. I wonder sometimes if there isn't a line where people almost overdo the visibility. I would say, are you overposting or underposting is entirely a choice of your own. If you personally feel like somebody else is overposting, it could just be the way the algorithm's going. I wouldn't recommend anybody hold themselves in just because of one person's feed, because actually there should be thousands of people probably following them if they're doing that much that are seeing it or could see it. And if they're getting that much visibility, then that means they're getting engagement because LinkedIn, if you overpost uh, more than three times a week and you're not getting engagement, it actually goes against you. So it's engagement that pushes more engagement. So therefore, it is a good thing. But on that, what I would say is don't copy that person. Don't feel intimidated by that person because is it turning into business? But also, let's remember what you were put on the planet to do. You were born for a purpose. You were born for such a time as this and you were given these talents and you have walked your path in life and your journey in life to create your perspective and your expertise that has driven you to burn all your bridges and say, I'm going to start a business and this is the problem that I'm going to solve. And that is your area of expertise. And what I see happen too much is that the marketing side of putting that expertise out there or product. It's such a steep learning curve. And it's also battering for the soul sometimes as well in the confidence that you need to have to do it like a live and all of those different things. But it actually bashes a person out of shape and it can lead to exhaustion because they're not in flow with who they are. I mean, a lot of influencers who produce a lot of content get really exhausted eventually and they really do feel like they've overshared and given away too much of themselves. The key thing we need to be doing is actually doing the paid business of what we're to be doing we're supposed to actually be working on our expertise and if we have come out of our job and we've decided to do our own business I would suggest that for a lot of us now we're not at the cold face of where the problems are really taking shape and the world is changing so fast the problem we thought was in how we were going to solve it in 2015 is not the same as 2023 and so if we're not at the coal face of that industry delivering solutions, then we are no longer an expert. and We can't stand there and say, I've got the best solution for you. What we need to be doing is you need to be doing the paid work for 70% of your time because that's you proving you are still the expert. You're still seeing the variables come up and all the obstacles come up and you're navigating around all of those things for your client and getting them the results. And that is the business. And then the other 30% is 10% is moving all the pieces around finances and legal and those kind of things. The other 20 is studying to remain an expert in your subject. And where is the sales and marketing in that? It's actually in the 20%. Of that 20%, if I spend half of that talking to 10 people per month about their business, about the problems and how they show up, about possible solutions that they could be using, that's me studying my industry. That's me talking to 10 organizations or individuals about the world as it currently stands and how they're seeing it. That is you at the coalface of your industry. That is content. I mean, I just did 13 uh, sales appointments last week and the amount of content and insight and inspiration I got just from talking to those people, you know, it overflows into what I'm sharing on LinkedIn and my status updates and everything. It keeps me relevant and keeps me on point. But it also, of course, those are sales appointments that lead to clients, right? So that's the equation we're after. And then when I read a book, when I read a blog post, when I read somebody else's content, when I attend a talk, all of those things are me staying an expert in my industry. 
industry and again overflow into me sharing content so when those things are overflowing from my love of my subjects and the love of my expertise and the journey I've walked in life then sales and marketing becomes very very natural what we post becomes very genuine and it connects with real people in real time when we're on the other side posting for posting sake and content for content sake and da 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 we're getting bent out of shape that leads to us ending our business either financial reasons or mental health reasons we're just not connected with people we're not enjoying it anymore we're exhausted from the constant pressure to keep on posting people have gone through that whole thing of like oh i've got all these followers and i've got all this influence but i am exhausted and almost violated inside because i'm sharing too much <laughs> do you know what i mean um so yeah that idea that is part of the flow i think that's definitely something that's really just going to shift the way people really look at this. But especially when you're starting out, it can be just doing things for doing sake and it just becomes a long list of to-dos. And there isn't that flow that you're saying that there's so many benefits to everything. The content is coming from the sales call, it's coming from talking to people, from being passionate about your topic, from finding out what's going on, from reading. And so it energizes you rather than reading by itself, content by itself, sales calls by itself. You know, it just becomes quite overwhelming yeah. when you try to put all those things together. So wow, that's a game changer. Thank you for sharing that, Naomi. <laughs> now, I'll go into LinkedIn because I know people like to get caught up on tools. What would you say about using LinkedIn groups to generate business? Because I think that's one where people are often like, you know, we're kind of familiar with Facebook groups, but we don't quite know what LinkedIn groups, what the expectation is in a LinkedIn group. The other day I read a statistic about, you know, LinkedIn groups just not performing the same as Facebook. I mean, Facebook have put a lot of energy into making it all about the group to kind of curb the amount of stuff I think it was in people's feeds. They literally went off on a strategy to make the groups the focal point, whereas groups on LinkedIn hasn't become the focal point. And I don't know that it ever will. It's an interesting one because you ask yourselves, like, when was the last time I went into a group? When was the last time I actually went through content in a group? When was the last time I got a message from someone saying, hey, we're both members of this group, let's connect, and thought, oh, I haven't been in that group for a long time, what's that about? In that respect, they don't really work. Um, and if you were to start one, there are a lot of work to keep going, and they would need to be around a very tight community, a very clear problem that it's there to solve that motivates that person to go in and engage with that content. You've got groups of like 32,000. And when you post into one of those, you know, those 32,000 people, yeah, they're going to see it. So that's actually really good. But it does have the same rules as Facebook group, which is if you want to get most out of it, you need to be commenting and engaging with other people's content in there as well. So I guess in that respect, you know, if you do see some good ideal target market that's worth putting your time into, you can make a play to go in and comment on five things a week or a day. You're actually giving to that group. And then when you post your content, A, will be accepted by the moderator, but it won't come out as just like a broadcast because imagine sitting around in a group and then somebody you've not heard from, like, I mean, there's 50 people in a room and they're all doing their own thing. Maybe it's like a co-working space or something. And then somebody stands up and broadcasts across the room. Like, whoa, who is that person? And then they sit back down again and you never hear from them again. That's what you're doing. <laughs> so you do need to start like working the room, talking to people. But again, it's understanding the value of that group. Say there's 38,000 people in there and you're engaging with that piece of content. Are you the first person to comment? Are you the third person to comment? Or are you the 48th person to comment? Because if you're the third person and that piece of content's been there a week, that's an inactive group. It doesn't matter if you go in there and say, hey, my ideal clients are in here. I'm going to 
posting here five times a day to get, you know, some social collateral that I can post and get engagement on my stuff is actually pointless because there's just not enough people being active in it to make it worthwhile. I'll give you a little tip, though, to replicate a stagnant group. Think of it differently. LinkedIn is a tool, like you said, and it's not the place. It's a tool. It's not the place. If you go to a networking event, a live event, either face-to-face or on Zoom, and you connect with everybody from there, and then you start, you're posting and they're engaging on it, and then you engage on their stuff, that is the definition of what you want that group to do for you is actually what you're doing offline and bringing it onto LinkedIn. And the value of that personal connection from having met them, the camaraderie from being in the same group and the loyalty that comes out of oh we both went to this networking event or we're both part of it that actually the loyalty there and the want to recommend and the personal connection is so much deeper and it's real it's a real human connection and that's ultimately what we actually need is real human connections not just these weird i recognize a name i might comment on this do you know what i mean so there's actually way more value in attending real networking events and connecting with people afterwards well thank you for that tip using linkedin ads to drive business i don't know okay. what i would ask about it because i'm not really familiar with linkedin ads <laughs> yeah i've never used them just the same as i've never used sales navigator or premium so there's another answer to a question you may have had after that one about paying for linkedin i've never used them i don't need to recommend them to my clients majority of my clients because they're solo entrepreneurs selling their expertise as a service the only time you would need that many leads to justify sales navigator is when you've got a team of people able to phone up, follow up all those leads, you know, everything else can be done through a free profile. And I think that answers the question. LinkedIn ads would go to a landing page and that landing page you want to know converts. And then if it converts and it puts their name and details in, are they coming to a webinar? Are they downloading something? Are they like, what is the next thing? Do you have your sales team and process in place that you can follow that all the way through? But if you're spending two pounds per lead, to get them through you're converting enough people on the other side that each lead converts to this much business and therefore it becomes predictable otherwise you're just spending money to get a lead in but you're not doing anything with that lead and you've got no tested system a to follow up or b to sell your product so there's no need to pay for that unless you've got the whole system in place and then the whole system but then leveraging it up to maximize and that would be to have a sales team there are people in my position that do use sales navigator and perhaps they're looking at corporates and things like that where they can track things easier so there is benefit in that but for the price which is around 80 pounds which is what like 160 maybe 150 i don't know what the conversion is now actually everyone's international listening aren't they so they have to do their own conversion if i only get one client and I spent like £80, that could be good if that client's worth a lot of money. But did I need to spend that £80 in the first place? Like, weren't there other cheaper, freer ways that I could have made that happen? And I've always looked at it and looked at my strategy and gone, I could have got that without paying that amount of money. But if you are getting like 100 leads in a 25 sales, then that £80 is piddly squat. It's tiny. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's about weighing it all up. For LinkedIn ads, you're going to need a good landing page that converts in a sales system behind it. I've got a piece of your story, but I wanted to know a little mm-hmm. bit more. You said you made every mistake that a person could possibly make while setting up your coaching business. Do you mind telling us one that you'd say 
you think maybe you've seen in your clients as well as yourself that you say this is so common avoid this the time I say is I made every mistake in the book and I can tell you that's absolutely true because I wrote the book it's called grassroots to green shoots and it's on Amazon and it's a book I wrote in 2010 when I lost my first coaching business and yeah the mistake I can tell you and and you know what I still get caught up in this and I've become a victim to my circumstances and like oh my gosh put yourself at cause women you know what your problem was and the problem most people do is they're not putting enough focus on sales appointments if you want business you want paid business it comes down to sales calls if your sales skills aren't good enough improve them i went and worked and uh, selling graphic design for a company for six months to improve my sales skills to get over like the whole picking up the phone thing it was just dial number cold calling for six months it was excruciating and then the person who's online training that i use for sales he ended up hiring me to go and work for him and that's where my journey of linkedin actually started because he was now selling linkedin training and so that got me over the excuses around sales and I remember this one time some mentors that I was hanging around with a lot I was being oh I've got no money da, 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 da. this is like 2009 I think and they went Naomi stop answer me this question how many sales appointments sales presentations have you made in the last week all of these excuses flew out of my mouth about why I shouldn't have to it's not ethical as a coach and blah 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 and that was the difference between his business that made a million pounds in one year from startup to my business that wasn't even paying me a basic wage was the number of sales appointments. And this is what I mean about I get myself into like, oh, ruined tears or whatever. I haven't got enough business coming in. It's like, oh, for God's sake, put yourself at cause. You haven't done enough sales appointments. You haven't focused on booking those sales appointments in. Your end goal is to book sales appointments because that's the only route to actually get business so that's the biggest mistake all of us make because we can be afraid of selling we're not from a sales background it doesn't feel like it's natural to us it can feel like it's not ethical to us which is why you know when I did the 70 20 10 that 20 percent is studying your subject and it's not sales and marketing because it can conjure up loads of different things for us in our heads but actually if I said to <laughs> this is a classic actually I actually said this to a client once he's an IT person naturally introverted and I said to him Hey, look, he was really nervous about sales. I don't want to do sales. I don't want to go on sales appointments. So I went, oh, okay. Oh, by the way, I role played and faked it. I said, oh, by the way, I was speaking to someone the other day. They were really concerned about their servers and they're doing some TV ads and they're paying like loads for the, the servers because da 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 da. And they run the TV ad, da 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 da, which is this whole thing. And then anyway, I mentioned your name and said that you'd be a really good person to speak to. Would you be up for speaking to him? And he went, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. I'd love to chat to him about how I could fix that for him. He went, oh, great. Okay, so you don't mind sales calls then? And he's, what do you mean? And I said, that's a sales call. Person's got a problem. You're going to diagnose and see what they need and then offer to fix it for them for money. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Flip it on its head and get used to it. If you can't get used to it, there's a quote in my book, I can't remember quite what it is now, but if you can't get used to it, just get out of the game. If you're not going to master sales, you need to get out of the game. Hiding behind the computer, posting status updates and doing LinkedIn lives or whatever it is, is not going to eradicate the need to do sales appointments. It's just not. I also feel like we also live in a time where most people just want to avoid talking to people generally. <laughs> <laughs> My phone is ringing. Why are they ringing? Why didn't they text first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it has that extra layer of that extra challenge too. I mean, you get on a train, everyone's got their earphones on. People just don't want to talk to anyone for any really? reason. So so many hurdles to that. But I'm glad you said it. It's a great reminder to our listeners that the objective is to get to talk to people, to make a sales call and get your paid 
business. Well, mm. Naomi, I know you've got something special for our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about you and what you do. I know it's yeah. got to go to www.theprofile.company slash scoreboard. Maybe you can tell us about that. If they go to theprofile.company, there's three options on there in the pink at the top. You can download a free template, start writing your own LinkedIn profile, and it connects to all of the tutorials I have on my website so you can write your own profile. You can book an appointment to speak to me and actually have me review your LinkedIn profile and strategy for you and give you pointed advice with a view to like perhaps working together or not with no obligation but the best bit really I mean if what I've said has really resonated with people and they're curious about those business structures that need to go behind the business in order to make LinkedIn or any of these platforms work for you there is a scorecard on profile and it will actually diagnose for you why LinkedIn isn't working for you so there's the download the template write it yourself ask for a review or diagnose the problem go to diagnose the problem it's 18 questions you can do it within two minutes and it will tell you how you're faring on different of these elements where you need to put attention you can also book a call with me then to actually go through that scorecard and look at what's working and what's not working which i hope will feel like a very good offer for your listeners yeah thank you so much for that naomi and if they want to learn more about you they can also follow you on linkedin linkedin on naomi johnson uk so that would be the the tail end of if they want to find me specifically but they'll put naomi johnson in as his expert linkedin profile writer and i'll know they're in the right place yeah thank you so much naomi this has been such a great conversation i mean you shared so much that i think it's really just going to change the way people are doing things and it's such valuable information so thank you for your time and thank you for your expertise i hope you got a lot of information a lot of actionable things out of these episodes and if you really love the episode please support us by going and leaving a review in your podcast listening app thank you for choosing to spend your time with the Reinventing Perspectives podcast. We value you. See you again next week. It's time to reinvent.